0: Well, Happy New Year. The title of my message is Happy New Year, What's So New? And first I want to ask, um, anybody make resolutions yet? Okay. (laughs) It's amazing how uh, you watch how the world celebrates, and it's it's almost the feeling that if the calendar changes by one day, everything in my life should change. And it's kind of sad to watch because they go about celebrating in the same old ways by partying and getting inebriated and everything else that used to do. There's no joy in it. There's, there's, there's no change. And when you make when you make a resolution, boy, if it lasts for two weeks, it's it's been a long time because most of us when we used to make resolutions mm-hmm. they never lasted. I'm gonna eat better and I'm gonna exercise and I'm gonna be kinder to people and I'm gonna read my Bible every day. I'm I I'm gonna follow Jesus this year. Boy. And then then the guilt sinks in, because you don't do anything you say you're going to do, But we go through this every year, this the sense of I, c- I can make my flesh do the good things that I want it to do. The sense that you know I can I can go and eat from this tree of good and evil, the tree of knowledge, and I can figure out how to do this. It just doesn't work. So there really is, in the worldly sense, nothing new. It's like the Groundhog movie. (laughs) (laughs) It happens over and over again. I I went and I I wanted to find some resolutions that some people have made. It's easy to find in the Internet. You can find anything in the Internet. But this is just a list of things that uh, resolutions that people have made. Their names and the dates that they gave them were in there, and some of them I can't bring into our church setting. (laughs) But these these are some that kind of caught my eye. I resolve not to die. That's a good one. You won't be around if you do. (laughs) Think about it. I resolve to eat less bacon. I am against that one. (laughs) <laughs> I resolved to read articles completely and not close the tabs this one I really thought was good this, this was obviously it was, it was a young girl that wrote it comparatively young I will fight crime by teaching owls to sh- shout crime at anyone breaking the law think about it I will fight crime by teaching owls to shout crime at owls yeah so the you know the owls sit out in the trees at night and when they see somebody breaking crime they go crime <laughs> now that person really thought hard at that one i will wait for facebook videos to load before i get mad at them I will wear the same bikini in all my selfies. That was written by Joel. (laughs) Joel. I I will increase my relationship status from forever alone to slightly desperate. This year, I'm going to be taller. All things that we can all reach. And the thing is, when these people make these statements, they really deep down believe that's what they're going to do. I'm going to teach owls to shout crime every time they see a crime brain. I don't know how they know the law, but they're going to shout crime. Yeah, they are very wise. (laughs) Nothing really changes in the new year except one day. You know, tomorrow morning we won't get up and it will not be 75 degrees and all the snow gone and the birds singing and it won't be. It'll be just the same thing. It will it'll, It will be like Groundhog's Day. The thing is that man is the one that created the, the dates and the, the calendars to... To God, there is no calendar. He's the same from the beginning to the end. He, he never changes. He's not going to be somebody different tomorrow. But the world has this in their mind that if I go out and get drunk tonight and wake up and look at the person next to me in the morning, and if I can remember their name, it will be better. And it's not, it's depressing. We get depressed because we try to celebrate in our worldly manners and our worldly acts and we find our worldly deeds just seem to fail over and over again. See, we don't get to, in the world's eyes, we don't get to restart or reboot or reset anything. Tomorrow I will still be bald. Tomorrow I will still have a hearing aid and tomorrow I will still be overweight. But tomorrow I will still love God as as much as I did today and hopefully more. And I will take that playlist that we had in worship and because that was really Greg's playlist and enjoy those songs. Because see he's the one that doesn't change. He's the one that's always there. Natural man not only eats large amounts of food and drink from his refrigerator, and between Christmas and New Year's puts on several pounds, but he, uh, but he also eats large helpings at this time of year from the tree of good and evil, the tree of knowledge. Thus, he has a problem with making New Year's Eve resolutions. See, they just don't work. It's false hope. We try to encourage ourselves to be better. Maybe next year I will marry that supermodel. Maybe next year I will have a lot of money. Maybe next year, when it doesn't happen, you get depressed. And the trouble is of, you know, eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil not one of us is excluded we are all guilty of it to some degree in our lives we all we all do it and we do it because we find that we are discontented we wish we had another wa- wife another spouse another job other kids <laughs> huh <laughs> uh, not, not an add-on, another. <laughs> you know, it makes me think of Solomon. He kept trying, but he, he just, right. th- just couldn't get it right. Like <laughs> well, I'm going to quote Solomon here. I'm going to quote Solomon here because he was a wise man. But we have all been so discontent... We're going to just go through some verses, and I, I want to I want to just show you, you know, what the Lord says about this. And the, these will probably most of them be very familiar with you. My first one's in Philippians, Philippians four eleven. It says, and this is when uh, Paul is thanking the Philippians for their gifts. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance i know what it is to be in need and i know what it is to have plenty i have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want i can do everything through him who gives me strength and we and we you know we say that and we all embrace it but paul lived it he lived it See, the problem is we look at so many things with our eyes and our circumstances. And that's why the church is so unhappy and why the world is so unhappy because they keep looking at things that their circumstances. And they judge their life by their circumstances. But as you know, we, we have learned as we move in this grace, I don't want to call it movement, this embracing of grace that God's with us and He is in us. And when we look and take our eyes off of who God is and what He does and what Jesus has done for us and how we live and how we move and and try to look at our circumstances, we struggle. <laughs> and I thought, okay. You had eye surgery. It didn't go well the first time. You had a heart attack. You know, you had to take care of these people. You have, you know, chemical imbalances in your body. Your hip breaks. Your back needs surgery. You know well, welcome to life, but that's not who we are that's what's happened to us, but we look at who takes care of us. Paul was in prison and and beaten and <laughs> you know we look at prison as wearing a nice little jumpsuit and having color t v and and three meals a day and a and a a bed you know prison for him was being chained on the floor and all the urine and all the mess and all the rats and the animals and the bugs and the stink and the cutting of the chains into the wrist. And yet he rejoiced because he didn't live by his, circumstan- his circumstances. He lived by who took care of him. Let's look at Matthew sixteen sixteen for just a minute. And this is when Jesus had all his uh, disciples together and and he had talked about who did they think he is. And, you know, the the disciples said, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're this, some say you're a prophet. But he says, who do you say I am? And that is the crux of the message. Who do you say he is? Is he just the nice guy that comes along and heals my body or is he the nice guy who just says a kind word to me or or is he as as Peter says you are the Christ in 1616 Peter says or we'll go back to verse 15 it says but what about you who do you say I am Simon Peter answered you are the Christ the son of the living God that is who he is Peter was our, our prime example of one who looks at Jesus and recognizes him then looks at situations and changes. He walked on water, but he looked at the water. He said he'd never deny Christ, and then he denied him three times. Peter is so much like us. We go through circumstances, and, and we resolve, I'm going to be stronger, I'm not going to do this, I am going to do this. I'm going to change things. And then our own strength it's like hanging on to a climbing rope like you used to have in gym class, trying to get up to the top. You can only hang on so long. You will fail. John 6. John 6 verse 66. Now this is when Jesus had just Talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood in communion, and many of the people were disturbed by the saying. And they started to leave him in droves. You might say his congregation dwindled. That will preach one day. We'll save that one. From this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And Jesus said, do you want to leave too? Do you? He asked the twelve, and Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. See, so there's going to be times in your life when you make a decision of what you want to do and what's important and it may, be, it may seem small at the time and I, th- I, th- I think back to when we were meeting on Sunday nights and people didn't want to come because, or Saturday nights because Saturday nights were their night do you want to leave? yeah, because I have some personal things I want to take care of I want to do and that's sad and I don't, it's, I don't make it a, a, a religious burden that you, you always have to, to be in church or, or anything like that. But if Jesus is the one who you say he is, like Peter says here, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Why wouldn't you want to be in his presence? See, the world does not understand that. And so they want to go and they want to chase whatever they want to chase. They want to do whatever they want to do. You need to make a resolution just following that. I don't know what it looks like. There is no rules or regulations on it. There is no 12 steps to following Jesus. There is no seven steps to eternity, there's only the person of Jesus that you have to resolve to know. 1 Corinthians 12.27 Now this part in Paul's teaching, he's talking about the church. He says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And he goes on to talk about the, the, the positions in the church of pastors and teachers and apostles. And, but the important thing is, each one of you belong in the body of Christ. Yes, you can make a decision, I do not want to be in the body of Christ. But each one of you belong. So that makes you and the, and the words that the world uses accountable to each other is not right. But to love each other the way Christ loved you is what it is supposed to be. You know, it's, it's not like I am going to resolve to be nicer to these two people in church that I don't want to be nice to. You know, if you have a, a larger congregation. That isn't the way it is. It's I resolve to love Christ and to love you the way that Christ loves me. But the world does not see it that way. If we are truly in Christ, why do we have problems and struggles? I thought I gave my life to Jesus to just go to heaven and just have everything. His word does says, I will supply all your needs and I will take care of you. Why aren't they manifest in my life? Why? It, it's not fair. That other person in church just got a new car. That other person in church just had a great vacation. I don't get to do that. As I told you, my my son, job he just his position he got a promotion and his annual income doubled. That's not right. He should have to work his way up the ladder. Praise God for him. <laughs> he blessed him. Now see the the focus is on the circumstances again. See Jesus says in. Eleven, twenty-eight. Matthew 11.28, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for, the, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, Jesus, you just don't quite understand my circumstances. I've wanted to be married for a long time, and I just... All the guys I've dated just have been jerks. My wife doesn't treat me as well as I think I should be treated. My husband doesn't treat me as well as I should be treated. Why couldn't my husband look like Fabio? (laughs) I just had to throw that out. (laughs) See, we grumble at our circumstances but we have somebody who has given us these great and wonderful promises to watch over us and to be with us and to always take care of us. And he says, just come to me. If you're weary and you're burdened, if, if life hasn't tre- treated you right, monkey, come to me. Because I will take care of you. Okay, God, I'm going to treat you like Santa Claus. Here's my list, and you better get it filled it doesn't go that way. It doesn't go that way. But I tell you, as as I get older, I see the wonderful things the Lord has done in my life. As if my life was driving down a road and wanted to keep pulling my car into the ditch, how many times has He straightened me out and, and kept me going right? And even when I've hit the ditch... He has always been there for me. I can never remember once that God has condemned me. I can remember when he's corrected me. But it has always been good. He is always there. He always loves you. He's not like a resolution that you have to say, I'm going to do this and I better, I better get what I want. And then two weeks later, go back into what you think you ought to be doing. Or back into the old ways. Here's your choice. You do have a choice. Grace is a gift. A gift needs to be opened. A gift needs to be cherished. But I want to read to you Ecclesiastes 1-11. one through 11. This book is been attributed to Solomon, but they're not quite sure. But Just just listen to the words. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor, at which he toils under the sun, Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow to the sea, yet the sea never is full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye has never seen enough of seeing, or the ear is full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which we can say, Look, there's something new. It was here already long ago. It has been here before, to, before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. You read that, and it, boy, does that sound depressing, but it is so true. There is nothing new. We resolve to make a, a new year. We resolve to do it right this time. I know in my, in my work, every once in a while, I find something that somebody thinks they're going to get in big trouble about. And I have to explain to them in six months, nobody will remember. Nobody will remember. And one of the biggest things that bother me are people that fear what's going to happen in the future. What are you going to do about the future? I resolve not to die. I'm going to sit right here and not die. What a resolution. It's almost as bad as saying I want to be taller. You see... God is just so faithful. He hasn't changed. He was, before th- he spoke light to where he's going to come and take us all and we're going to live forever in eternity with him. He's the same. We're like little ants sometimes. We think that God's got his magnifying glass and he's going to zap us. And we scurry and we try to change things and do things. No, he's a loving father. He watches over us. So Ecclesiastes 1 one through 11 is one one view of it. I'm going to go to a book I'm sure most of you haven't gone to lately. That's Lamentations. Lamentations was written, and it's really the grieving heart of the prophet of looking over Jerusalem being destroyed. See, they they loved their temple. That's where to them, in their eyes, it was a place they could relate to where God dwelt. We don't need an outward temple anymore. We have an inward temple where God resides. But he was grieving at what, what he saw. And yet he saw all this going on. He says this in chapter 3, verse 19. I will remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them. My soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not Consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He was seeing his whole family life and tradition being ripped apart, and the Babylonians did horrible things to the people. They stripped him of their flesh. They crucified him. They, they did everything they could do to him. They tore down his temple. But he knew God would never fail because of his faithfulness. In my broken hip, or your heart attack, or your eye, or taking care of people, or whatever it is that you face, that is a circumstance that God will show His great faithfulness to you. He will never fail you. It is not something new. It is something that has been going on since the beginning of time. It It is new today as it was before. And I just want to just keep encouraging you with some of this. Let's look at Psalms. Psalms 142. You know, David had some really hard times. How many kings live in a cave? But this was one time when David was living in a cave and he called out to God. He said, I cry out loud, O Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. Now, listen to this. This is a prayer. We're going to talk later on in the year about prayer. This is a prayer. It doesn't sound like a prayer, but this is a prayer. Prayer is conversation with the Father. That's that's all it is. It doesn't have to have a lot of these and thou's. You don't have to lay on the floor and kick your feet and stamp your hands into the ground and weep terribly. So everybody knows that you're a prayer warrior. Mm-hmm. But this is his prayer. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see, no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge, no one cares for me. We have all been in that position where we think everyone is out to get us and no one cares. David felt that way. But feelings are subject to change. I cry to you, O Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am desperate in need rescue me from those who pursue me for they are too strong for me set me free from my prison that I may praise your name then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me see when you're, when you're in struggles and, and in troubles and the Lord rescues you everyone, everyone wants to be around you Not because of you, but because of what God has done through you. What they see. What they can experience, because it is so unworldly that he loves you so much that he would take care of you. Again, he knew his circumstances, he knew where he was, But he knew God was faithful, and he laid out his prayer before him. Psalms 91.15, just one verse. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The Lord will be with you when you are in trouble, and He will deliver you, and He will honor you, and He will satisfy you, and He will show you His salvation. That is truth. The world cannot give that. The world would say, Well, I'm going to get a new job, and I'm going to be honored this year. I'm going to get that position. I'm going to get that corner office. I'm going to get two windows. I'm going to get that stock option. I'm going to get this. and Some of the saddest people are the richest in the world's eyes. Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in song. It goes on. It says, The Lord is the strength of his people and the fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. You notice, uh, if you've read the Psalms a lot, David always goes in with, wah, wah, And he always comes out going, oh, when I take my eyes of what's going on and I look at you, you are my salvation forever. You will honor me and lift me up, and people will come around me and ask me about you because you are so good to me. That is true for you. That is what you need to focus on, not circumstances of what are you going to change this year but who God is. The last verse I, I don't need to turn to because the thing is that we have learned in grace as in 1 John four seventeen, as he is, so am I right now in this world. I am like Jesus in this world. I know it doesn't look like it. I know my daily actions don't look like it. But I am not judged by my actions. I am judged by the one who lives continually in me and blesses me and takes care of me and watches over me and loves me and cares for me. He is the one who will always be with me. God does not look at us and say, well, it's been another year. What must I do new now? He looks at you and says, you are my finished work. I want to read to you from Ecclesiastes, and it, it's not from the book of Ecclesiastes. It's from the, the preface preface of the book of Ecclesiastes. And I want to I read it to you because I usually don't find great wisdom in what they write in these purposes and methods of the book. But this was in, in my, my Bible, and I just read through it. And I guess as, as I'm getting older, I see things differently. You know, I, I know many times I have said, I wish that uh, I knew when I was 20 what I knew now. But wisdom comes with age. Hopefully. I know a few that hasn't happened yet but it will come. What you do with the wisdom is part of the problem. And I'll just close with this and then one one more quick thought. This is just the, the introduction to Ecclesiastes that the, these learned scholars had written. With his life largely behind him, the author takes stock in the world as he has experienced it between the horizons of birth and death a latter horizon beyond which no man can see the world is seen from being full of enigmas the greatest of which is man himself from the perspective of his own understanding the teacher takes measure of man examining his capabilities he discovers that human wisdom Even that of a godly person has limits. It cannot find out the larger purposes of God or the ultimate meaning of man's existence. As the author looks about the human enterprises, he sees man in a mad pursuit of one thing and then another, laboring as if he could master the world, lay bare its secrets and change its fundamental structures breaking through the boundaries of human limitations and mastering his own destiny. He sees human vainly pursuing hopes and expectations that are in reality are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. But faith teaches him that God has ordered all things according to his purpose, and that man's role is to accept these including his own limitations, as God appoints. Man, therefore, should be patient and enjoy life as God gives it. He should know his own limitations and not vex himself with unrealistic expectations. He should be prudent in everything, living carefully before God and the King, and above all, fearing God and keeping His commandments. That's a good summary up. So we can all make our New Year's resolutions and think we're gonna make things new again. There's nothing new under the sun. I couldn't find it. And as I paraphrase these verses as saying this is if you want to make a resolution, this is a, a good resolution and I couldn't find it. But it it says, though the crops die in the field and the cattle and the lambs die in the stall, I will praise you, God. I will give you all my praise because you are faithful. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. He will always be faithful to you. If you want to make a resolution find that verse in the Bible I wish I could have remembered where it was but he is always always faithful David found him faithful Solomon found him faithful you can poke holes in their natural lives and what they did but their relationship is David had a heart after God and it pleased the Father so happy old year Things will be different. We will face new things. But God will be the same God who watches over us. And he will supply all our needs according to his riches and mercy. Amen.